Welcome to the weekly podcast of Calvary Chapel, South London, a church where the truth of God's word meets and transforms the reality of our daily lives. We hope you are impacted by this week's teaching. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. Can I invite us to return to our seats as we continue to fellowship in the receiving of the Lord's word? It's good to see everyone. Thank you. Praise God. It's good to be seen by you. (laughs) Now, I'd like to um, start this afternoon's um, message in an unconventional manner, at least for what we might be used to in terms of how our services start. Um, Pastor Rob mentioned that next month is the anniversary um, 23rd anniversary for um, him and Helen, which is a blessing, right? And um, actually, yesterday, Judith and I celebrated our anniversary. Um, praise God. Yeah, God is gracious. 22 years. And um, I noticed that Judith was giving herself a clap there because she... Truly, she's done well. And um, I think, you know, I, I must say it's 22 years and um, we're happily married. It's not like we're just, you know, hanging on by our fingernails. We're happily married. I think that's primarily because by this point, Judith has realized that she's not going to get rid of me and she's kind of just <laughs> become content with that. And you know, when you kind of just accept certain things in life, you're a happier person. <laughs> And so um, I'm very grateful to God because I know it's his grace alone that has um, sustained us um, for for 22 years. And, um, you know, they say, I'm going to move that again, you know, bruv. If you could put it over there for me, please. Um, The secret to a long-lasting marriage. Some would say, Husbands, do what your wife says. Everything will be simple. Now, I know there are those who are saying, well, you know what? I'm an Ephesians 5 man, and and the the wife has to submit to the husband, and so that don't really work for me, you know? You're obviously not married, is it? (laughs) Because if you were really an Ephesians 5 man, you'll understand in verse 21 it says, Submit to one another in reverence for Christ. And that precedes everything that comes afterwards with regards to the marital relationship. So, fundamentally, there's truth in that. But just over the course of the weekend, um, well, not just the weekend, like a little, a little, just a, a little time prior to the weekend, um, was considering, you know, what to get for Judith. And... It's not only was it um, our anniversary, but it was also her birthday um, because we got married on her birthday. I'd like to say what a great gift she got. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, it was her birthday. So I was thinking about presents and you know how it is when you go to buy presents for people, right? you consider very carefully what they would like, yeah? 
You consider very carefully what they would like because you know what you like may not be what they like. So, guys, this is a test. You go and smell that perfume and you really like it. Is that the one that you buy? Well, it wasn't a rhetorical question, but I can see you were too scared to answer. In reality, you, you have to think, mm, is this, as much as I might like it, is this a perfume that she would like? Ladies, I don't know if any of you have ever tried to buy clothes for your partner. And you see that shirt, you see that jumper that you really like. Do you buy that one for your partner? Now, most of the ladies are thinking yes, because he needs help with his dress sense anyway. At least that's what Judith would have said when she met me. But the reality is you consider what it is they like. And when you buy that present, and maybe you've done your homework, maybe you've kind of had those sly conversations, and you know, you've kind of been on the internet or like whatever, and oh, you know, I really like this or whatever, and you, so you feel like you've got a good sense of what they would like and then you buy it and then you take it with you and you present it to them on the occasion and you wait for their response. Now, I must say, in the 22 years, there's been a few times when I've had that flat response that showed that I actually didn't get it right. There's been a few times where I've been like, hmm, okay. In fact, there was one time I bought some jewelry. Judith might not even remember this. I bought some jewelry, right? I, can't, I think it was a bracelet, some Indian gold bracelet or something like that. I remember. And I bought it for Judith. And I was thinking, yes, I'm in. This is, this, this is a good buy. And I remember giving it to her. And she, if, if you know Judith, you know she's a straightforward woman, right? She don't, she don't like put on any airs or graces, no pretense or nothing. It's just like black or white, A or B. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. But you know what? But it's the Indian gold and the... No, I don't like it. And I had to take it back. So you don't always get it right. <laughs> but you're happy when you do. You're happy when, you're, when you do, when you do get it right. And in John, we see Jesus speaking to the disciples. We see him speaking in John chapter 14. And ultimately, what he's desiring to do is to engender a sense of them desiring to do what he wants. Them desiring to do what he says. In John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, we hear that and we think to ourselves, wow, that's, that's quite a challenging statement. Some of us may even feel like, you know what, I hear that statement and it makes me even question whether or not I truly love God. Because our focus is on keeping the commandments. Our focus is on doing the duty. And am I doing enough? 
What does God want more? Love or obedience? What does God want more? Love or obedience? Now, the answer to that is love. Because what Jesus is saying is that out of the heart of love, the heart that loves me will obey. It's, it's, the, it's the natural outcome. It, it absolutely follows that if you love the Lord, obedience is going to follow. I wonder if I can share a song with you that um, may capture our sentiments when we consider the reality of that. When we look at our own lives and we recognize, hmm, my life is far less than I would desire it to be. It's far less pleasing to God than I would even consider that the Lord would find acceptable. Because I don't know if I'm alone, but I'm sure that there are a few of us that would have at least considered ourselves or found ourselves in that place, if not continually in that place. Amen? All right. Um, in fact, I wrote this song a, a number of years ago, and um, one of the things that helped me to write this song was reflecting on my relationship with Judith. And in, ref in reflecting on my relationship with Judith, I considered the so many ways in which I let her down or have let her down or were continuing to let her down. And, you know, the Bible says in Ephesians that marriage is a, is a, is a portrayal. It's a... It's a um, it's, it's the story of our relationship with Christ kind of put in flesh. And so as I wrote this song to the Lord, it was informed by and color was added to the picture as I considered my relationship with my wife and just the outpouring of heart that followed. So can I share this with you? Is it all right? Okay. You're thinking like after all that, you better. <laughs> I'm going to start it again. The song is called I Don't Love You, which you might think is a not very spiritual song, but listen carefully. I don't love you. I don't love you the way you deserve. I so often cause you hurt. All I want to do is prove your worth to me. Help me love you in the way I really ought to. How I really want to help me to love you. 
You love me first and that done it You hit me with a love unattached, no strings on it You did flaunt it, you made it clear how you feel for me So vulnerably, you came and made the move on me You knew exactly what you wanted To tell the truth, I didn't think I'd got it It didn't matter, you still sought it I never bought it, I fought it Like a plane, I could've caught it Instead I thought I had to work for it But you believed in who you knew I'd be You saw the best for me that no one else could see Including me, we should've got together easily but in my mind I thought someone was trying to deceive me So it relieved me to know that you only wanted to please me That you was never gonna leave me alone When I thought that you didn't have enough love to give you Sure did, that makes me the hypocrite become I don't love you the way you deserve Cause you hurt when all I wanna do is prove your worth to me Help me love you in the way I really ought to How I really want to Help me to love you I don't know how you take it No matter what, it seems your love, I cannot break it It stays pure, you never fake it Now it can shake it, it gives me hope to know I'll make it As I know it, I don't deserve, I'll not to take it With my words, I say I love you What do my actions say? They say that that ain't quite true Who's fooling who? I don't do the things that I say I'll do Or that you want me to I take the gifts you give me Use them to betray you I can't play you You see through me like a TV And you watch the plain truth I'm amazed that it don't phase you Cause your devotion washes over me like oceans in perpetual motion Stirring up such deep emotions Lord, you're the best, you surpass all the rest No more, no less I know that with your love, I am blessed in brokenness I'm coming in transparent openness Lord, have mercy on my hopelessness As I confess that I don't love you the way you deserve I so often cause you hurt All I wanna do is prove your worth to me Help me love you in the way I really ought to How I really want to Help me to love you Keep loving me It's the greatest help you can be Keep loving me Cause it makes me love you more Keep loving me it's the greatest help you can be. Let's me know you forgive me. Help me love you more. Makes me love you more, Lord. And more and There's many cliches that I can say to try and impress you It's the language of my deeds that's really gonna bless you My selfishness distressed this relationship for too long It's time to wake up, it's time to sing a new song It's time to leave my broken promises behind I've never doubted I am yours and I'm so grateful you are mine It's only from you I learnt about real love I learnt to feel real love So now Lord help me deal real love
Two, my bad. My desire today is to encourage our hearts that we might be a people that would say, Lord, your wish is my command. Your wish is my command. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your tremendous love to us. Lord, we celebrated your table today, communion, and we reflected on your dying, your sacrifice for our sin. Thank you, Father, for demonstrating your love for the lost, for us, that we might truly know that you do love, Lord, that you are love. It's not just something that you do, and that, Lord, we would respond to that rightly, that we would be helped, that we would be refreshed, that we would be renewed, Lord, in our love for you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 14, 15 to 24, reading from the ESV as follows. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Jesus is having his final meal with his disciples who he chose personally. Those who he called to follow him, those who would be the ones who succeed him after his death and continue to carry the gospel to Jerusalem, Samaria, and the world beyond. This is Jesus' last moments with his, his, his guys. And as Jesus is in these last moments, and as we are expect and as we are familiar with when you know, someone's passing away, their, their last words are important. We, we hang on to them. But as Jesus is in his last moments, the disciples don't really appreciate and understand that. They've heard Jesus say, look, you know what, I must go up to Jerusalem for there the Son of Man will be crucified. But they never really understood that. They never really comprehended that. They really thought that Jesus was going to be the one who rides into Jerusalem on a white horse and was going to banish the, 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 the Romans and restore the kingdom of Israel to God. And 
They didn't appreciate, even though they had heard it from him, that he was going to die. But obviously Jesus knew. And as he spoke with the disciples, he communicates here one of those things that will be a mark of someone who has authentic relationship with God. And not only will they be somebody who has a, a, an authentic relationship, a real relationship with God, but he even goes on to communicate that they can hope for an even greater relationship. Now, that mark is not the keeping of the commandments. But the mark of real relationship with God is loving Jesus. For so many of us, we find ourselves in a place where we get the two confused. Just like the scribes and Pharisees. And we put our focus and we put our endeavors and our attempts to please God. We put it all on actually keeping the commandments of God. The scribes and the Pharisees were individuals who endeavored to keep the commands of God. And yet still, they didn't love Jesus. And as we as individuals work through our issues, and we try and evaluate, where am I really at with God? Do I bear the mark of one who truly has a genuine relationship with God? Why are there issues in my life with regards to following God and pleasing Him and having peace? Well, maybe the first issue is Actually, we're not of God. And that's the place to start. I mean, talk about having a genuine relationship with God. Do I even have a relationship with God? In John chapter 8, Jesus addressed those who were not just people who kind of said, yeah, you know, I believe in God but kind of done their own thing, as many do. I believe in God. Me and God's cool. Only to go on and live life however they choose and please, thinking that, you know what, the Lord's, yeah, the Lord's applauding. The Lord's, the Lord's good with that. These individuals that Jesus was speaking to weren't in that camp. They weren't in that crowd. These individuals that Jesus was speaking to were those who were actually in the camp who said, me and God is cool. We're, I have a relationship with God. And you know how you know that? Because I keep the commandments. And furthermore, I don't just keep the commandments of God, but I keep, the, I keep additional commandments to make sure that I don't break the commandments. You'd think to yourself, that sounds like a really good CV. 
if someone was trying to apply for the position of having a genuine relationship with God. But in John 8, verse 42, Jesus said to those very same people, he said, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own account, but he sent me. You see, they said that they were of God. They said that God was their father. In their mind, the evidence of that was the fact that they keep the commandments. And yet Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. They didn't love Jesus. Furthermore, they were the very people who went on to kill Jesus. And so it demonstrates to us, just because a person keeps the commandments, it doesn't necessarily mean that they love God. Just because somebody goes to church, just because somebody sings the songs, just because somebody was brought up in a Christian household, you know what? These things don't mean by default that you love Jesus. The reality is that there are many who do those things and have had that experience and yet it's merely been a sense of duty and not devotion. It's merely been a sense of I do this because I have to and it's the done thing. I go to church because that's what we do. But it's not because there is a genuine desire or want. And so let's not find ourselves in a place where we're deceived. Where we're deceived into thinking because we do Christian things, it is those things that make us a Christian. It is those things that cause us to be affirmed that we are accepted. Now, if we love the Lord, we will do those things. It will naturally follow. But first must come the love for the Lord, out of which those things spring. So Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. One of the things we must appreciate is that our love for God is evidenced by action. Our love for God is evidenced by action. And this was a hugely important point that Jesus was communicating to the disciples. And there's something that Jesus is trying to help them to understand and appreciate 
so that when he's gone, they're in a healthy place. Four times in these few verses, nine verses, four times Jesus makes reference to love resulting in works. Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keep them, keeps them, he it is who loves me. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Now, would you suggest that's quite repetitious? It's kind of laboring the point, right? But again, the point that he's laboring is love for him rather than just empty obedience. In fact, John Piper, who comments on this in the message I heard, I think he said it really great. He said, works without worship as an outflow of love is mere legalism. Works that don't come from a heart of worship is mere legalism. And yet, he goes on to say that a heart of worship that loves God without works is a fraud, is a fake. It's not real. It's not real love. And so one of the things that will help us be a people who will say, Lord, your wish is my command, is that we understand that our relationship with God is not first defined by our works. It's defined by our relationship with the Lord. Our love for Jesus. And don't get it twisted. Don't misunderstand. Because Jesus is not saying that your love will earn my love. It might sound like that, right? Well, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father. And he will give you. So love me, earn my love, and then you'll get in return. Now that's not what we see in the scriptures. In fact, in John chapter 3, Jesus had already communicated the fact that our love for him is based on a response to God's love for us. John 3.16, one of the most well-known verses in the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave. John elaborates on this in 1 John 4 verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
See, it's not that we love God first and we cause God to love us. But actually, it's because of God's love toward us that our hearts are inspired and motivated to love God. So we understand and appreciate that our works don't define our relationship with God. But Jesus talks about our response to his love being that which will be a mark of genuineness. A mark of that, that real love. Not the kind of real love that Mary J once sang about. I know you can hear it. Real love. And you were doing the work. And not that kind of real love, but I'm talking about real divine love that we share in. Now, one of the things Jesus is endeavoring to do is to help the disciples not find themselves in this situation. So, Jesus is about to die, right? And he's speaking to them about loving him. And we all know what it's like to be at a funeral and feel those emotions, the, 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 the outflow of sentiment toward that person who has passed. It may be a family member or a friend and many speak of their love for them and how much they meant to them. And you imagine the scene, you've got a family and they're there and they're in, in, the, in the service and people share their tributes and their fond memories and their crying tears uh, of loss and people are broken. The family's there, they lay their loved one to rest as they cry at the graveside. They comfort one another. And then they have to go back to the family home for the reading of the will. And they sit there, ready for the reading of the will. You know the true mark of their love for that person <laughs> is about to be tested. The last will and testament of this loved one who has passed is about to be read out. Sitting there with their hankies and Kleenex and as the will is read out, this individual who was a person of great substance and wealth states that everything that they have is left to their dogs. You have the children there, siblings. And out of the five siblings, four of them, what? You're crazy. Left to the dogs. Family business. Family home. Left to the dogs. That no good, I tell you. And they start grumbling and they start cursing the individual. Can't believe it. Left to the dogs. Us, we're the children. Are you, they're worth more than us. And yet you have the one child, one sibling who sits there, says nothing. 
dries a few tears, accepts the reality that, you know what, their mum loved the dogs. Mum loved the dogs. That's, that's how she lived. Quirky, eccentric, bit crazy maybe, but you know what, love her nonetheless. And so the solicitor pauses as the siblings respond and waits for them to kind of refocus and give their attention. And then goes on to say, and these dogs will be made um, the legal responsibility of those siblings who didn't complain and who didn't grumble and who didn't gripe and who didn't curse me under their breath. And being the, the legal responsibility, that individual will be responsible for the control of all the wealth that has been bequeathed to this, these dogs. From the solicitor's point of view, there's only one person that's going to get that. That individual who showed genuine love toward their mother. You see, all the tears and all the sentiments at that point meant nothing. Crying at the graveside and tributes and meant nothing. Were they, be, were they willing to follow the instructions of their mother's last will and testament? Jesus is going to die. And the disciples would be gutted and there would be tears. And, but what follows is the real issue. What fo it's not the love at the foot of the cross even though most of them weren't even there, they ducked out. They were not to be seen. I mean, really loved Jesus, right? But that wasn't even the issue. The issue was, okay, what are you going to do with my will? Because that's what's going to demonstrate if you truly love me. May we not be a people who are full of mere sentiment and mere words and feelings and emotions toward the Lord that do not translate into obedience. Because if we are that people, then we're deluding ourselves. If that's where we're at and all of our quote-unquote love, all of our quote-unquote respect and regard for God, all of these things don't translate into us wanting to follow Jesus and please him and obey him, then we're fooling ourselves. You see, Jesus wants us to be a people who would say, your wish is my command. So you're in love and you really want to impress, you really want to please and you find out what kind of food they like, 
what kind of music they like. It's like you put that CD together. I don't know if any you guys ain't done the things that put that 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 CD together. You're like, yeah, because I know that they just they 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 like that kind of music, those ballads. Or the we we'll keep it, we we'll keep it focused, right? They love that hill song sound, yeah. <laughs> and we go out of our way to please the individual. And we do the things that they will really appreciate and the things that will mean something to them and the things that they will really love. Not because we have to and it's mere duty. Why do we do it? We do it because we want them to know how much we love them. And this is what Jesus is saying. If you love me, you adore me, you you see in me all that is good. You want to be like me. You want to be with me. You want me to be with you. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Standard. And so, the key to fruitful relationship is loving Jesus. Now, I could give you some instructions, but love isn't something that's kind of easily prescribed. It's not like, you know, you can go to a marriage counselor, there's problems in the relationship, and the marriage counselor sits down and listens, and then at the end of it, writes out a prescription, says, well, look, if you do all of these things, then you'll be fine. It's not as simple as that. It's a matter of the heart. And the reality is that in and of our own strength, we don't even have the heart to love Jesus. You see, for so many of us, the biggest issue is not us being people who don't love Jesus. Most who are here, I would suggest, would say, I love Jesus. But the bigger problem is that we love ourselves more. It's not that we don't love Jesus. We love ourselves more. Hence us not seeing that translated into that kind of affectionate display that would suggest that actually we do love the Lord. And because of this, and this is dealt with in the gospel, because the gospel tells us, the gospel tells us that we're all sinners. And our inclination first and foremost is toward ourselves, not even to God. One of our lecturers at college, he uses this term. He said that man is inherently sinful, which fundamentally means that we are curved in on ourselves. Our focus is on ourselves. We are completely self-conscious, self-absorbed all the time.
That's the greatest hindrance to us loving Jesus. And you might think to yourself, wow, well, what do I do about that? Because it's hard not to be focused on myself. Well, answers in the text. In verse 16, Jesus said that he's going to send another helper. He's going to ask the Father who will, who will give another helper to be with us. The spirit of truth who the world cannot receive. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, through relationship with Jesus, comes to live in our hearts. And to lift our gaze from ourselves upon the Lord Jesus. And some of you here may not have even come into a relationship with God yet. Not in a real sense, in the sense that we're talking about, where you can say, I love Jesus. But even now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and speaking to you of your need for Jesus. And the fact that as much as we love ourselves, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot even satisfy ourselves. This is true because of our sin. But Jesus, who we know went on from this point in John 14 to sacrifice himself, to be killed in order to demonstrate the extent of the Father's love for you, for me. The fact that Jesus was killed in our place as our substitute to pay the penalty for our sins and bring healing to our hearts so that we could be renewed, so that we could truly love the Lord. This is, this is the gospel, that we need God to do that for us. All of our attempts of religiosity, all of our attempts of religious obedience don't result in us loving God more. It's a work of God's spirit. He is the spirit of truth, verse 17 tells us. He is the one who takes the truth of the gospel and he applies it to our hearts to the point where we agree with God, Lord, I need your help. I can't do this by myself. Help me love you, Lord. Help me love you. And how does the Lord help us to love him? By continually reminding us of his love for us. And so there's assistance. There is help at hand. The Holy Spirit helps enable us to love God truly with all of our hearts. And yet we go on to see that there is also great incentive by way of reward because Jesus is very clear that as we respond to his love, as we reciprocate, as we reflect back to him, his love, as we choose to love Jesus, 
that we enter into a deeper and more meaningful experience of relationship with God. He says in verse 18, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. A little while the world will not see me anymore. That's because he was going to die. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. Status, relationship. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. Listen, our love for Jesus is not wasted, it's rewarded. Sometimes we will be feeling like our love for Jesus competes with love for other things. Some people love money. Some people love football. I'm not sending for Tim because he's wearing a football kit at the back there. It's all good, bro. <laughs> Some people love womanizing. Some people love attention. Hmm. Never thought of that one, right? Some people just love attention. And their ability and their desire to love Jesus is quenched because they're not spotlight, limelight, center of attention. Jesus is. And I ain't trying to give up no Opportunity for attention to Jesus. Jesus says, I have to humble myself. I have to play the background. I ain't trying to play the background. There will be many things that will try in our lives to compete with our love for Jesus. But our love for the Lord is never wasted, it's rewarded. Because Jesus says, whoever loves me will be loved by my Father. That's guaranteed. And he goes on to say, and I will love him and do what? And manifest myself to him. Listen. You ever seen those people, right? And they just talk about Jesus in ways that make you wonder. And they talk about this, they just have this experience. It's like, all right, Sister Angela, right? Like those of you guys who are in Austria, like maybe there's quite a few of you who don't know who Sister Angela is. She used to be with us at South London, um, formerly married to, to Brother Mike, who's now gone to be with the Lord. Um, they've got two children, Janae and Micah. And she shared her testimony in Austria. And, you know, she spoke about her trying to get to Austria and having to go to the passport office and at the passport office witnessing to this group of guys, some of whom were in a backslidden state, and then meeting this other woman at the passport office who actually, whose mum was in the same hospital in Jamaica when her husband died in, in Jamaica and heard about her story and then had tears in her eyes as they hugged because she really, and her mum has recently passed and she's heard about how she's, and, you just hear this, it's like an adventure story. When I was younger, I used to read Tintin, right? I know you wouldn't expect that of me, but I used to read Tintin. 
Big man talk, like it was actually very entertaining. All of the different magazines and every, episode, every, every magazine was an adventure. That's the whole point, isn't it? Any of you used to read Asterix? Don't have to hide it, you know. Come on, man. Just come out the closet. Asterix. You know about Asterix? Asterix and Obelix. Listen, you don't know about them things, man. You're not living. Trust me. Every, every, every magazine was an adventure. Some crazy fight, some crazy um, crime to solve for Tintin. And, and it's like listening to Sister Angela's life is like adventures in the Lord. <laughs> that was just the passport office. She leaves the passport office. She gets to, to, um, to Austria. I think she might have been in Munich at this point. And there was nowhere to sleep. One of them, no room in the inn situation. And they go to the last hotel in town. Last chance saloon. And there's no room. So they say to the person behind the desk, okay, look, you know what? We're just going to sleep on the bench in the train station. No, it's too dangerous, is the response. Don't you just love it? The tension. No, it's too dangerous. Come and sleep here on our couch. Free of charge, you know. Sleeping in the hotel. Let's them use the, 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 the wash facilities and everything in the morning. Offers them tea and coffee. Helps them on their way. The provision of God. Adventures in the Lord. They go to the taxi rank. It's not over yet. Crazy. Go to the taxi rank. Lord, which taxi shall I take? Am I lying, Bertram? Oh, you weren't there. Sorry. <laughs> My sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. Sarah, you were there, right? You heard the testimony, right? Listen, Lord, this is what, Lord, which taxi shall I take? Hmm, okay. Gets in the taxi, almost at the castle now. Taxi, taxi um, driver, lady. I remember you. Weren't you here with your husband and such and such X amount of years ago? And she gets to share Jesus with the taxi driver. Adventures in the Lord. You're like, you ever look at somebody like Sister Ange and her life and you just feel like, wow. Like, I want my Christian life to look like that. At least in part, please, Lord. Like, what is it with Sister Ange that just causes her to be uh, having all of these adventures in the Lord? She loves Jesus. She loves Jesus even more than she loves herself. And we see her being loved by the Father and by Jesus. And they're manifesting. You know what the word manifest means? To reveal, to expose, to make plain and open. Manifesting himself to them. Do you desire to see Jesus manifest in your life? So you too can have adventures in the Lord. Our love for Jesus is rewarded. It's never wasted. And Jesus has promised that we will have such intimate relationship with him that it will be evident. It will be open. It will be seen. 
And so, knowing that we have assistance and that there is a reward, how do we see our love for Jesus increase? I'm going to close with this. How do we see our love for Jesus increase to the point where it's evident in our lives through our actions and through the Lord's actions in the way that he interacts and manifests himself in our lives? Well, you know what? The first and primary thing the ultimate thing is that we pray and that we seek God's face. That the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will open our eyes to see Jesus. You see, to know Jesus is to love him. You cannot help but love Jesus when you really know him. Because he's perfect. He is, he is good in every possible way. In any way that we would esteem something to be good or worth our love, he is greater. And in ways that we personally can relate to, Jesus is supremely lovable. And the more we know him, but we love him. And so we pray that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes to see Jesus. That as we read the word, that it will come alive to us and Jesus will be real to us. That as we see Jesus at work in his people, in ways that are clear and identifiable, that we would rejoice and that we would learn of and that we would take it in and that we would love him more. But it starts with a wanting to want to love. Because what the law couldn't do and why the scribes and the Pharisees fell short is because the law couldn't make a person want God. Most of the time, people really, they say they love God, but they just want, they just love God because of what they can get from him. It's like Neil talked about last week with the, the son called the prodigal. He didn't check for the dad. Furthermore, he's saying to the dad, I wish you were dead, but like, give me what's mine, isn't it? Give me what I can get from you. And yet, it's not about legal requirements. It's about a heart that wants to love Jesus. And our love for Jesus is such that it's actually able to be commanded. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You're like, is that love though? You're going to make someone love you. You know what? God can do whatever he wants, isn't it? 
And God, it's not just because of his status, because he's God and he's powerful. I'm God, I can make you love you, make you love me. But actually, you know what? When we know God truly for who he is, we cannot help but love him. Because God is love. He is perfect, he is pure. The only response to, to truly seeing God is to love him. It's the only real response. And with God being more lovable than anything or anyone, including ourselves, that we could love, he's not being bossy. Oh, God, you love me. He's just, it's just a matter of fact. I'm God. Love me. I am who I am. The great I am. And so may we pray that the Lord would open our eyes and that we would respond to God's love, that we would respond to the Lord with expressions of love. That we would respond to the Lord with expressions of love because when we truly increase in our love for Jesus, all we're going to want to do is please him. All we're going to want to do is make him happy. All we're going to want to do is do those things that he likes, that he wants. And we will be proactive in seeking them out. To the point where we'll say, Jesus, your wish is my command. I love this lyric by an artist called KB from Reach Records. He's got this tune zoned out. And from the first time I heard this lyric, I was just like, pull it up. He said, I've seen the Lord, the same I'll never be. Some say they've seen the Lord and live all casually. I don't know what you saw, but the Lord ain't what you see. Because if you truly see the Lord, then you're obsessed with what you see. Listen. That's definitely a wheel up even though it's in the second verse. It's the reality. If we truly see the Lord, we'll be obsessed with what we see. And so may our hearts be captivated by Jesus. That obedience would be something that is not wrung out of us, but it's something that flows out of us. And when we consider the will of Jesus... Well, loving one another is not going to be hard work because we just want to please Jesus. And sharing the gospel is not going to be hard work because we just love Jesus and want to please Jesus. And all of the things that we associate with being real and righteous expectations of the Christian life will not be hard work because we love Jesus. In 2 Samuel, we see a picture of what a Christian life could really look like. For those of us who love Jesus, who would say, Jesus, your wish is my command. 2 Samuel 23. And three of the 30 chief men went down 
and came about harvest time to David at the cave of Adullam. David, King David, King of Israel. In fact, he, wasn't, he, was, he was the king um, in status at this point. So you've got these three guys. They're, they're, the, they're, the, they're the top soldiers, top warriors of this band of 30 guys. And they were known as men who were destitute, discontented, debt-ridden. They were like cast-offs. But these guys were tremendous warriors. And so these three men came down to David at the cave of Adullam. And David was in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, oh, that someone would give me a water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. Just thinking out loud, man, I'm thirsty. I could really do a drink from that, that, that well in Bethlehem. I know that water's fresh, it's clear. Ooh, the minerals in that, man, it's got a certain flavor. Tasty. Just drink some of that right now. Then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and carried and brought it to David. Now you got to understand this is three guys against a camp of Philistines. They risked their life. SAS style to go and get David a drink of water. A drink of water. But David would not drink it and poured it out to the Lord and said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went at risk of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These guys loved David so much, were so loyal to David, that even when he just expressed the idea of longing for a drink of water, they was on it. Gone. You just saw the flap of the tent in the breeze. However long later they come back, skin full of water from Bethlehem's well. This is for you, David. You can just see, um, what's my man's name? He plays Gladiator. What's his name? This is for you, David. Water from Bethlehem. This is the picture of those that love Jesus, who would say, Jesus, your wish is my command. Jesus is he who sits on the throne of David, the eternal king. May we be like these mighty men who would give ourselves willingly and unreservedly to do his will because we love him. Amen? Let's stand. I'm going to ask the guys to come back. Oh, Lord. How we need your love. 
because we want to love you more. Thank you, Jesus, that you give us the privilege to even love you, to know you and have relationship with you in such a way that would cause us to just be filled with you and who you are. We sing it in our songs, Lord, and we often talk about it. Lord, you're wonderful. Lord, you're magnificent. And yet, Lord, our desire is that in loving you, we would love you with more than words. But that our love for you would be evidenced by lives characterized by obedience. Lives that evidently are lived to please you. And so reveal yourself to us, Lord. Open the eyes of our hearts that we would know you, that we would appreciate just the truth of your love toward us in that, Jesus, you gave your life for us to do what we could not do for ourselves so that we could have relationship with you and that we could come into your love in the fullest sense and experience you in real ways, Lord. Help us, Lord, as we submit our sinful hearts to you, Lord, to be renewed, to be renewed, that our focus would turn from ourselves and the satisfying of ourselves and the glorifying of ourselves, that it will be turned to you, Lord. Thank you for your spirit, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the fellowship of the saints, Lord. For by all these means, we know you more and are able to love you more. Your glory in your name we pray. Amen. To find out more about us, visit our website at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at CC South London. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.